Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Nintendo!
Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of August 27th, 2015. I am your host, Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining me once again, an all-star cast, Tara Schneider. Stay fresh, Jose. Callie Plaguey. Hey. And Jeremy Parrish from US Gamer. Am I obligated to shout? Sometimes. You don't have to shout, but you don't want to be a Debbie Downer. No. no. Okay. And you're awesome. You don't I'm have to shout. I'm not a downer. Shout. I just have a very monotone voice. It's natural. Oh, no. It's natural. But you, at the same time, you have uh, worked on and written a lot of things that I have come to respect a ton about Mario and Nintendo. That's so very we're, kind of you. We're very happy to have you on the show. Uh, both you and Pierre have played Inspiration and in, I think, a ton of careers. And you guys worked say. on 1UP together, right? We did. Yeah. Yeah. I also worked here at IGN for like a month. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, for exactly one month. <laughs> might have been two. Yeah, it might have been a few. All right. So we got a ton of topics to talk about because a lot is going on. Uh, it's actually refreshing to have a bunch of things to talk about. First of all, Callie is back from the Pokemon World Championship, so we're going to spend some time talking about that. We have all been making courses in Super Mario Maker, so there's a lot, I think, still left to say there. Um, we've also got some news, some a Shovel Knight Amiibo, perhaps, wow. uh, and a few other things. So Who stick knew? around. Let's kick it off, though. Callie, you were in Boston I last was. weekend for the Pokemon World Championship. Was this your first? Yes, it was my first, actually. Okay, so talk about this. What, 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 what's the experience? Um, well, they announced Pokemon Tournament for Wii U. On okay. the first day, and so that actually took up a lot of the streaming time, uh, which would have gone to competitive play. So that H was interesting. Hilariously, by the way, right after we recorded our episode where we said, ah, they're going to announce it, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> We're visionaries. <laughs> yeah, going. almost predicted it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they streamed that. They invited uh, you know, competitive fighting game players to play on stream um, for a little invitational. That was really cool. Um, people were really excited to see it. Uh, it was the, the experience of actually being there rather than watching it on stream um, was very unique because you get to be part of the whole energy of the crowd. Nice. It was very much like attending like a football game or something like that. People were getting really into it, and that escalated further with the actual like video game and trading card game uh -huh. competitive play. Like people punching each other? It escalated. No, there were no fights. <laughs> like punching each other with cards? <laughs> I kind of want to see that. <laughs> but, but it was like the atmosphere was pretty, it was pretty cooking there. Yeah, people yeah. were really pumped, uh, especially the trading card game finals. There was this amazing play. Uh, every match is uh, best two out of three. And yeah. so the guy who ended up being, being champion, his name's Jacob, and he is from the U.S., one of the few U.S. Um, players in the finals throughout the whole thing. There were a lot of Japanese players in the finals. Um, but he won his first game in 90 seconds. Wow. In the trading card game, which was crazy. And then he dropped the mic. He was yeah. just like, we're you know, done. He was just like, We're done Bye. with Pokemon. Like, everyone freaked out. People stood up and cheered. Little wow, children yeah. like mobbed him at the end of the game. <laughs> like children are running up like, it's Jacob. It's like the ending of Indiana <laughs> yeah. Jones 2. No, it was amazing. <laughs> every, everyone's just like, everyone's like, did that happen? I don't even know what he did. And he was playing with like a Blastoise and nobody uses Blastoise. Like it was this crazy thing. Wow. And then uh, the only girl in the finals or one of the two girls in the whole finals for the video games out of all the three divisions. So juniors, which is younger kids, seniors, which is like You talking about Katone? Katone. Yes. Katone is, oh, I love her so much. She was just, she didn't care. She was wearing like a cape with the Japanese flag on it. She was just like, she just owned it. She was playing so well. And she's 10 years old. And I couldn't imagine yeah, being 10 years amazing. old yeah. and knowing how to predict your opponent's moves. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff like that. I watched that match. That was a pretty cool uh, cool match. I want to uh, take a trip back uh, just to the start to Pokemon Tournament and yes. sort of your impressions. Uh, or what can you tell from folks' impressions at the show? Like, were, pe were people genuinely excited about this? Yeah, people did seem really excited. And I got to play two matches of Pokemon Tournament because um, there was a huge line. Um, and... 
it was interesting. I it's not enough to really tell how I feel about it. Hmm. Um, you can tell that it's it's well made. They integrate the Pokemon aspect pretty well. Mm-hmm. So. Um, like, now it was in Japanese. It for, was so in Japanese. So people understand for context. Yeah, it was in Japanese. It was it was the cabinet version that okay. was playable at the event. Um, and from the limited Japanese that I do understand, I was like trying to navigate my way through this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but Suicune is in that, and when I found out Suicune, because uh, th- that's a legendary dog, he's on all fours. I was like, how does that work? Because it's a fighting game. I was really confused, and then having played it, it made sense. It's and how works. does it work? Uh, well, it's a lot of like distance attacks. He has okay. water attacks. Um, there's not a lot of like up front punching yeah. and kicking the way you would think a fighting game would work. Yeah. It's interesting. It's definitely intriguing. So it's more like something like Airgeist or I don't know some of those like Evil Zone PS1 style arena turns. Power Stone maybe where it's like a lot of kind of wide arenas and big open open spaces. Yeah, it's not 2D. It's a 3D arena and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And does it um, zoom out a lot or is it pretty tight most of the time? It zooms out. Yeah. It yeah, zooms it's out. Pretty, yeah. It's a pretty big area. So I played it in Japan and uh, one thing I did admire about it is that, and I'm not sure if we talked about this last week, but the attack buttons that it has, I believe it has three, and uh the different direction you hold will fire off a different attack. Right. So, you know, if you have uh, the you, if you press a button stand alone, you can fire one thing, but then if you're moving to the left or to the right towards an opponent or away, you'll fire something different. So it's going for like that Smash Brothers simplicity where the move inputs aren't complicated. Mm-hmm. And I think that's smart because you know, Pokemon does appeal to a younger audience, and so that makes sense uh, to a degree. I still question its depth. I know there's a lot of excitement about it because they're like, well, finally a Pokemon game on Wii U. And I'm just like, but is this really the one? Like, I've only played a limited amount, and I wasn't sold yet, but I look right. forward to play more. It's, it's, I mean, it's to Pokemon what Hyrule, Hyrule Warriors is to The Legend of Zelda, right? Mm. It's like mm-hmm. a completely different feeling genre made by a different company, and it's not a replacement, but it's kind of an expansion on the... On the universe, I mm-hmm. think, right? Yeah, it's not, like, with that's, a really it's not horrible... like that's a new idea for Pokemon. No, but well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But with a, but but you know, you're taking you're taking an act an active role in the mm-hmm. combat. I mean, it's going to feel much different, right? Yeah. But it's... what a horrible name, still. <laughs> yeah, oh. I mean, is it is it literally Pokemon meets Tekken? I mean, do you have like Ho Oh wearing Paul Phoenix's hairstyle? Oh, <laughs> because that would be great. That would be amazing, actually. Be cool. They have oh. cosplay Pikachu. There's no excuse for this, they like do. at yeah. all. Lucha do yeah. or whatever. Yeah, Luchadu. exactly. You can glucha chew. That'd be so good. good. I like it. Um, okay, uh, you did mention to me though that uh, streaming the game as long as they did was met with a bit of hostility. Um, not quite hostility, but I think some of the competitors were disappointed. Um, okay. Not actually angry or anything, but uh, they did want, uh, especially. I talked to some video competitors, game. being the people playing either the video game or the card game yes, at the show. Yes, competitors yeah. Uh, playing. Yeah, both both versions, the VGC and the TCG, which is very hard to <laughs> keep track of in my brain sometimes. Um, yeah, they they expressed to me kind of that they were disappointed that the the reason they were there didn't give a get as much screen time basically. Um, because, you know, they, they worked really hard. The Pokemon season is an entire year-long season. There were people uh, who were trying to qualify for more events for 2016 season events mm. during the event. There was a separate open event at Pokemon World Championships mm-hmm. called the Boston Open for regional people to come play. So that season is year-long. They work really hard, and they were really disappointed that they didn't get the the time on the stream that Pokin did, hmm. um, which I understand. I mean, they these kids are really, really advanced. When it like the kid I talked to, he's seventeen. His name's Aaron Zhang. 
he was the most eloquent 17-year-old I've ever met in my life. Hmm. I don't know how he did it. He seemed to have learned a lot uh, from Pokemon about general things. Um, life. And, yeah, about just yeah, life. Stay out of the tall from, grass. <laughs> <that kind of laughs> thing, well, from it's the, all about friendship. From the, well, from the experience of going to events and meeting people oh. from other countries. And not just from playing the game, but being part of the competitive scene gotcha. um, was really important to him. And so, yeah, they were understandably disappointed that they didn't get to show off their skills and, you know, spread the Pokemon love or whatever mm-hmm, you would mm-hmm. call it. A lot of kids yeah. at this thing, too, you said, A lot right? of kids. Lots um, of kids. The, the prize pool is, uh, unlike a lot of competitive games, is scholarship money, not, like, mm. cash. Um, so the audience is understandably school age. Um, mm. There's some older competitors, and they can write, like, they can give their scholarship money to somebody else. Like, the, like if you're a parent and you have a young child, you can write it over to them. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. But um, for the most part, it's people were probably under 25, I would say. Okay. Um, yeah. Lots lots of really young kids, like even babies were there with like their older siblings who were like five and playing the card game competitively. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and there were parents and like grandmas with Rayquaza t-shirts. Nice. Like, That's new. Like, I did not think I would live to see that day. It's ama- <laughs> That's really it was cool. amazing. I'm going to write nice. up more about this, uh, more okay. thorough, um, about the whole experience of being there. Okay. But it, it was very much a family event, and then there were some, like, snotty teenagers as well. Oh, so you yeah. didn't play any matches? Like, you're, you're here at the ultimate setting to take the, the, the Poke Crown, or at least to challenge people. Like, did you play anyone at all? No, or? I was there to work. I didn't want uh, to okay. be unprofessional or anything. You didn't get any too much waters? Like, audience too, too little? I did. Too, too young? I did not. Right. Nobody knew Good. Should have worn that T-shirt. Nope. <laughs> Not happening. I refuse. Um, All right, don't be mean, Pear. All right, I will <laughs> say, uh, just to wrap this up and then yep. move on, uh, so they announced the World Championship uh, for next year, 2016. It's happening in San Francisco. And now you have to wonder, is it going to be the trading card game, the video game, and Pokémon tournament yes. moving forward? I mean, Nintendo seems to be, uh, they seem to be mimicking Nintendo in that Smash Brothers has now become a part of like the Nintendo World Championship at E3, mm-hmm. like the year following. It makes you wonder, like, are they looking at that and going, well, we can continue to promote this game after it comes out mm-hmm. with not just potentially characters, but also mm-hmm. hosting it at this event and getting a world champion out of that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm not sure that's on their minds right now. I talked to the director of consumer marketing while I was there, yeah. uh, J.C. Smith. I have to go through and transcribe that interview still, so that's going to be fun, But because um, mm. transcribing is so fun. But... Um, yeah, I, I think that's something. There are machines that, for that nowadays. All right. Yeah. So at least they're saying they're not but thinking about it. What do you think, though? Think do you do you see it like Pokemon tournament at uh, 2016 Pokemon Worlds? Um, that's a good question. I I don't think it fits kind of what they're going for for okay. Worlds. Sounds more um, like Evo. Yeah, you it's, know, that's like, what I was thinking. It to make more a splash like, at Evo as kind of like a like a new title or something. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking more Evo than Worlds, yeah. but I mean, it remains to be seen. Obviously, sure. I think a lot of us will probably make like go to worlds in san francisco oh yeah i'm totally there next my big question is what is that pikachu going to be because there's a themed pikachu for every worlds and because it was in boston we have the patriot pikachu but what is san francisco's pikachu like a gold miner heart pikachu it's a heart (laughs) hearts around the city Oh yeah, there's hearts yeah. around. Or love disc. Yes, the, the, the Pokemon. Disc. Just they're yeah. just gonna have them surrounded It'll be by the love Harvey disc. Milk Pikachu. <laughs> uh, there you go. So, anyways, what do you think? Just Pokemon tournament at Worlds or not? I like, mean, how I would you look at it? Pokemon. I sure, don't know. no, but uh, just uh, shine the dark. Uh, people will play it and they'll like it. Okay. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really have anything on this. Okay. Sorry. Got yeah. it. Got it. No worries. But you do <laughs> have plenty to say about Super Mario Maker, which is something we everyone at this table has been playing. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a IGN challenge series. 
series here on IGN. Jeremy, you guys have been running a very cool uh, sort of daily Mario video oh, over at US Gamer. Uh, so let's, you know, train yeah. impressions. And, talk you about know, it. for everyone who's not familiar with, with Jeremy, Jeremy used to be the street pastor in the office. He would create <laughs> customized pictures every day. He's a really good artist. So I'm only expecting greatness from you when it comes to level building now. Uh, as it turns out, level building is not a skill that transfers directly to other skills. Really? Like, I, can, I can review video games and say, this is well designed. But then I sat down to review or to create my own Mario stages and uh, made a lot of garbage right out of the right out of it's the game. It's harder than you think, right? Yeah, it like, is. You everybody can create something brutally difficult, but to create something that's fun and inventive and fresh well, is a I, little different. I set out to not create brutally difficult yeah. stages, and I did anyway. Yeah. Because I'm I'm creating stages that I think, oh well, this seems interesting and challenging. But mm -hmm. I've been playing Mario games for you know since Donkey Kong, mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of have a, a knack for how they work, and I you know I'm familiar with their mechanics and the rules. And it's hard to take myself out of myself and out of that 30 odd years of experience and say, okay, so what about someone else who doesn't have this background of the games, who doesn't know like how to stand below a question block and jump to the side and then curve and back up and get up yeah. onto that question block to get a fire flower. Like little things like that that I just take for granted. Not everyone can do that. Mm -hmm. I was going to mention too for folks at home, you may not know this about Jeremy, but he also he has also written books about these games. Like self, Donkey self Kong. Self-published books. Self-published books about Donkey Kong, uh, Super Mario Brothers, and the sort of the level design approach taken, like basically what you have analyzed from replaying those stages, from looking at them with a critical eye and just trying to understand what the designer was going for there. So, like, this is, it yeah, is still that hard to do. I mean, it's, and it's, it's one thing to sit down and say, oh, that's cool, they did this and that works, and oh, I see what they did there, but then trying to translate that into uh, your own creations that's not just copying what they've done, mm -hmm. it's, it's really challenging. So like, I find to, to create something that is approachable and yet still interesting hmm. because it's it's a really tricky balance to walk. Yeah. And you're right in that, uh, Per mentioned this earlier, that it's very easy for us to then say, oh, I'm going to make it really difficult. Um, I have found myself now going back to like new Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3, playing, copying a little bit, but trying to just find an inspirational idea and then finding a way to put my own spin on it. Like trying to basically say, okay, like uh, in new Super Mario Brothers 2, there's uh, six castle uh, the entire stage is devoted to uh, the thrusters the, mm -hmm. that, that spit fire. And so I just copied a section of it because I really liked it. I thought it was really cool. But it doesn't have utility in my game because there aren't giant coins to place and find for the player. And in that particular section of that space, that's what the player was going for. But taking that out of it, I was still really happy with how it turned out and then going, okay, now that I understand what I can do with these thrusters to kind of make people time their jumps and be afraid, what can I do to then like alter this and modify it? And I'm trying that approach now after I have also hit the wall with my very limited sort of design skills. My, uh, my bathroom reading for the past couple of weeks has been the Nintendo Power Mario Mania book. Mm, I have that. And, huh. you know, when, I'm, when I just have a few minutes to kill... <laughs> Not actually bathroom reading. When I, have a, when I have a few minutes to kill, I just like thumb through that. 
And it's, it's really surprising. <laughs> <laughs> it's really surprising if you look back at Super Mario Brothers one, even three or world, how not complicated Nintendo's actual stages are. I mean, some of the, like the special worlds at the end of Mario World, okay, those got pretty crazy. But even those were not super busy, super complex. And I think that's where everyone gets hung up. We think, oh, these have got to be really dense and complicated. But that's not how Nintendo designs. That's not how Mario games are made. And I, I think there is value in, in looking beyond what Nintendo does with Mario to create interesting levels, to create new experiences with Mario Maker. But I think you need to master the basics first. And that's yeah. really what I've been trying to do is like learn how to create a good, simple level and from there, I can go beyond that. And I'm, I'm almost to the point where my simple levels are pretty good. But I mean, it's taken what I, that's, time. Th- that's where that I, I feel like, you know, as frustrating as it is for reviewers and people who are Mario experts, that's where I like Nintendo's approach to kind of like the timed release stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, games journalists all complained when they found out that was, this was well, happening. And, but, and people on Gaff, it's it, not like, just us. But yeah. there is, you know, when you have this wealth of items and elements, you're probably not going to make a good level. Because you just have so much power. You're just going to, you know, you're going to go nuts. And you see that first-time creators will put, like, 30 turtles, right? Like, you'll never see that kind of level in a traditional Mario game, right? They could have done it, but they know that that is not a good experience. It's just the because-you-can shock factor. Mm-hmm. And so I actually like that they, they limited the number, just the unique number of items in the beginning. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. I think it is it borders on overwhelming when you have mm-hmm. the entire palette open from the start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we, we first started making levels here at IG, and we had that. We weren't aware that it unlocks over nine days and we weren't put through that experience of just putting it together piecemeal. Um, And so... When you sit down and you look at those five rows, you're like, good Lord, like, what am I going to make? Like, where do I even begin? I'm going to put a turkey inside a duck. In a duck. Yeah. 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 Like, uh, when I was you making, can't really do that. No, the, yeah. yeah. When I was making my level for the challenge, I, like, forced myself, myself to stick to a few items mm-hmm. because I was kind of like, oh, my God, I can do so much. I have so much power. And I told myself, like, okay, stick with a theme, stick with a couple items. Um, and I think that's... That helped me kind of stay focused. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is focus. Like you, yeah. you get that huge palette, and you throw in a boo, and then you do a Koopa, and you do a Hammer Bro, and it's like those things don't go together. They're, yeah. they're. I, I think you can learn a lot by playing Super Mario Brothers three because that game had what ninety some odd stages, mm-hmm. and each of them were really small and really kind of centralized around one or two elements. And each stage is kind of its own discrete, like, here's something interesting, watch what we do with this. I think that's a really Mm -hmm. good approach to take. And I find that most of my level editing consists of me taking things out, like saying, Mm -hmm. actually, that's not good there. I'm just going to get rid of that. That's too busy. Okay, this little, like, bump in the road, that's stupid. I'm just going to flatten that out. Right, Hmm. you want to stick to a couple, Mm -hmm. not too many ideas at once in one level. But I I do love, too, that you don't have to make stages with this thing. Like, I'm actually secretly plotting, and this person doesn't listen to this podcast, (laughs) but I'm plotting a birthday message for a roommate who her birthday's coming up, and I'm just like, okay, she doesn't play video games, but we're going to try and get her in the room to, to, to just be like, hey, take the controller. Like, can you do some of this? And then have her discover whatever thing we're going to make. And I think that's, to me, is, is fascinating just how personal this thing can be, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can the, – the first wedding proposal for Mario is coming. It's it, through yeah. uh, Mario oh, Maker yeah, is it's coming. coming. It's just a matter – you almost proposed to Fran. We <laughs> almost had the world exclusive on that. <laughs> she's, she's really cute, though. I can understand <laughs> <laughs> nice work. Um, yeah, so I, I do find that um, even though you can throw everything at the wall and just kind of ha- show this unrestrained uh, creativity, I love that it's 
creativity that is very, very accessible. And I don't think I've seen many examples of that. We've seen the Little Big Planets. I've tried RPG Maker, Fighter. Remember Fighter Maker on PS? I do. PSX. I sure I tried did not that. ever try using that though. That thing was pure garbage in its in its time. It was. <laughs> I so mean, Mario bad. Mario Maker has really made me appreciate how. I mean, not that I didn't already, but just how good Nintendo is at taking a complex concept and and idea and making it presentable and fun and approachable. Uh, I mean, compared to Little Big Planet or Mega Man Powered Up, the, the tools in Super Mario Maker are so versatile and so mm. powerful, but so intuitive. Mm. I mean, I think I think this is a great case for the Wii U t- gamepad. Yep. Yeah. Like, it would not have worked on any other system. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. It a is. Tablet, but yeah. that's it. Very I, much Nintendo. I, I have a stupid question about creation. Okay. Like, I get the usage of every item, but why, why the one-up mushroom? Oh, that's where I got the, that. Yeah, that's yeah, where, oh, you can go answer. Ahead. No, 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 no. Please, you're, please, please. You're the host. No, you are the guest. Please <laughs> okay. go right ahead. Uh, that's where the uh, <laughs> no, after you. Yeah. That's, where the, that's where like the ten Mario and hundred Mario. That's challenges. for the challenge. Yeah, yeah. it replenishes your stock of characters. I yeah. think right. up to three per stage. Up to three. They basically treat like the But what if somebody is a jackalope and adds like a like. 21 ups. It's so only that it, sound it maxed effects. out at three. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right, so right. you can't uh, overdo it. It's cool. For the aesthetic. All right. Yeah. Well, they kind of use it as like the coin, the big coins. Again, yeah. like that's why it maxes out at three. It kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of that because it's yeah, right yeah. next to the coin. Uh, I mean, honestly, for for anyone with any Mario experience, one ups have become pretty superfluous yeah, in Mario yeah. games. That's been a big complaint of mine with the new Super Mario Brothers games. Like they're just this impediment for someone who doesn't know the games that well. Like. My my wife has been my litmus test for my Mario Maker stages because she plays some video games, but she's not that great at Mario-style, like, pure action platformers. So if she can get through a stage, then I know I've done a good job of making an accessible level. And l- watching her pain points has made me say, oh, this is where I need to smooth things over. But I watch her play New Super Mario Brothers games, and the the one-ups is, is an issue for her because you have to, like beat so many levels on five lives or whatever yeah. before you can save your progress. Gotcha. And she has a hard time getting to that point. Whereas, you know, I play and I end up with like 151 ups and I'm like, I don't need all these lives. Yeah. So it's it's kind of this vestigial thing that I, I really think Mario should just get rid of. Like, why have limited lives? Just get rid of you them. You know what? But There's mm. just something so comforting and nice about that chime, though. Yeah. When you pick up a one-up mushroom, it makes you happy, even though... It, even if it's meaningless mm-hmm. and you already have 99 lives, you know? I mean, I will I will waste lives trying to get one-ups and coins. Uh-huh. Like, why did I do that? I should have just skipped it, but I mean, can't it help it. I mean, it definitely is vestigial, but I will say that um, when, you have, when, when you have that too bad moment or continue, um, even the, the continue animation where they try to do something clever, like I think in Super Mario 3D World, they all just kind of get up again and go, we're going back in, and they run off screen. There is something still... Well, I, I think I did once because uh, I, I don't I don't remember if it was me. But wait, what are you saying? I, <laughs> no. Nothing. I'm just saying I I don't know. Like yeah. I, that's the point is yeah. I have no idea. But if those things went away, I guess to me I I kind of like still having them as as part of games because granted maybe uh, the cases we're all really good at games, so that's why we don't see them. But for someone out there, it's still it's a challenge to be won. It's like, it's like a gauntlet being thrown down. No, I, I understand. My, my my complaint is that it's too much of an impediment for someone. Who mm-hmm. doesn't know the games that well? Yeah, and no, no challenge at all for for those who do. So that's fair. I feel like there's a more elegant approach, but I, I also get that it's tradition and that there is that sort of Pavlovian slaver that you get when you <laughs> see those green mushrooms. When well, they love tradition, even if they're never willing to admit it, like yeah. Nintendo loves tradition. Yes. They do. They're the fiddler's roof of video game makers. Absolutely. All right. Cool. Cool. Anything? Uh, the Hundred Mario Challenge. No one. Anyone playing that? 
Uh, Explain I, to the I've folks. I've just done the ten, the ten thing. Okay, so ten Mario challenge yeah. for folks listening is uh, basically the sample courses that come bundled with the game. Um, they're really fun because, like Mario Three, some of them are incredibly short, and they really, it, it's really just a sort of a gallery for you to see what can be made yeah. in Super Mario Maker. Some of them are like very puzzle based. Like we played on stream and you saw yeah. the one like find the fire flower. Yes. If you can explain to folks like how that one worked. Yeah, there's a series of, of blocks and you have to like ground pound onto them mm-hmm. to find the fire flower and uh, it's your only way out because there's a, a large stack of spinies. Spinies, yes, yeah. thank you, um, yeah. that are blocking your exit. Um, but the first, I guess spoilers, but the first like Ten blocks are all Goombas, and it's just a chaos. And you have to you have to time it right so you yeah. can get the fire flower and then get out. Yeah, um, and there's a conveyor belt underneath these question blocks. When you ground pound them, you're creating a problem that is going to get bounced <laughs> up get to come get you. Yeah, um, and so it, that it's really clever. There, there are a lot of clever little moments, right? Like when you start the game, you have limited tile sets, as, as we've talked about. But with this challenge, like one level, you walk in and it's like disco ball and disco music. <laughs> and like when you see that for the first time, you're like, what is going on? Yeah. What you know? Yeah, th- like that's a completely c- random and weird. That's when tradition went out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, like, yeah, but also the little moment, right? <laughs> like you can turn into Bowser, you know, with a question mark mm-hmm. block. Um, you in one of the ten level, like the first ten levels, you turn into Bowser, mm-hmm. and then when you finish the level, there's it's like this little Easter egg. You mm-hmm. know, what, you're finishing the level as Bowser, and the reaction from Toad is different. So I think they did a really nice job, like putting these little kind of cool moments in there that you wouldn't expect. You were expecting just straight, like, playing through Mario levels the way you've always done it, and it's different already. Yeah. I well, really I think like that's that. what makes it so much fun to watch, too. Like, I've yeah. found that anytime I've either seen a live stream or watched the video, um, that it, it turns into, not just when someone's creating, but specifically when someone's playing a stage, you don't know what's coming, and there's something very tantalizing, very, like, you're just on the edge of your seat waiting for what it is. And granted, like, putting enemies in blocks, like, I'm over that. I went through that stage. I subjected Brian Altano to it a little bit uh, when we first got the game. I'm done with that. Now I actually want to make, like, a well-designed course. And even when you have tiny variables like the propeller hat, which I'm dying to make a stage around that or the cape. It's not tall enough though, huh? It doesn't feel tall enough sometimes for some of it, but I think it is possible. It's just, I'm just not ready. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with Yoshi. And even in New Super Mario Brothers, that's the only way you'll get a Yoshi that actually has the flutter jump. So he has that sort of arc to his jump Mm -hmm. and he can reach a higher spot. Mm -hmm. Like I really want to get good at making stages around that, but... Baby steps, baby steps. Mm-hmm. We're still playing with blocks and piranha plants right now. Like, yeah. that's how it's got to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And are you running into the limitations of the system? Oh, um, oh yeah. Uh, no, I, I've learned to dial it back. So you have run into that uh, there's I, no way to track I, assets, so you eventually hit a ceiling that you can't put any more enemies. Um, I haven't done that with enemies, but with blocks. I was remaking the... Uh, the underwater dam stage from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for NES mm-hmm. just to see, like, can I make a truly hateful level? <laughs> it turns out that with, with Mario's controls, it's actually not that bad. Like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's That's an fun. awesome experiment. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I was I was filling in a lot of the, the kind of rock spaces with uh, blocks, and eventually I ran out, so I had to go back and just create, like, big kind of voids in the level. And it's, you know, it's spaces you can't interact with. But I was trying to fill those in so it wouldn't make people think, oh, there's a space over there. I need to figure out how to get over there because I want it to be mm-hmm. like visually clear mm-hmm. that, yeah, that's just dead space. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah. So, yeah, there is a limitation. But it's actually really generous. It's like a 1,000 blocks. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I, saw, I saw someone break down the numbers of what you can put in a stage, and it's, it's, it's ridiculous numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You can 
totally complicated. And once you start getting the the sub warps in there to the the secondary sub level gives you a fresh yeah yeah restart like almost. you can you can do a lot with stages. Well, I've, sh- I've only scratch like a tiny faint yeah. scratch on the surface of this game when if you're smart uh, at using space you could basically set up a sub level that mirrors your regular level and so the player wouldn't even know that they're basically bouncing between those spaces really even though anyone who's made a level in this would know mm-hmm. but you know what i mean like they, they kind of mask that uh pretty well um yeah, Mario Maker, it's it's pretty cool. Like, have to say, uh, the 11th of September, reviews are going up soon, right? <laughs> I, I like that you're that using Nintendo's official terminology. <laughs> it's not September 11th. Every it's other not. date is November 3rd or yeah, February yeah. 7th, but it's the 11th of September. Yeah. yeah. For some reason. Yeah. yeah, which is a Friday. It's a little weird. It is yeah. a little weird. Okay, well, it's sorry. a weird release date, too, but, you I know. I mean, things happen on that things day. Things happen on that day, yeah. yeah. So isn't that the... Um, uh, I think the 14th anniversary of the GameCube's Japanese launch. No, oh. no, that was the 10th. Okay. It came out the 10th, and then the next day everyone was like, ah, I don't care anymore. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, some a little more discussion about Mario and uh, Shovel Knight. Uh, more, we'll be right back. Tara Schneider, who was early. <laughs> Callie Pleggy, who was right on time. And Jeremy Parrish. It's a me, Jeremy. There you go. I do want to spend a little bit of time, uh, especially since Jeremy is with us, and I know we've moved on from Mario Maker. But I do want to talk a little bit about Mario itself, that franchise, Super Mario Brothers, especially like as a 2D platforming series. It turns 30 in about two weeks. Whoa. Yeah, it turns 30. 30. I mean, that's 30. A, Wow. Yeah, the big 3-0, and with that... Um, September 13th, 1985. Is that right. Japanese, right? Japanese yes. release. But it was it was like a month later in America. That's right. In limited releases in San Francisco and New York City. Mm. Wow. Good times. Yeah. But but um, more specifically, just the idea that like Mario, Super Mario Brothers, uh, I mean, for some of our younger listeners, um, is sort of like the Angry Birds or the, the uh, of its day in that it, it wasn't just a game. It was everywhere. You couldn't sort of escape, I feel, Super Mario Brothers. Mario Mania, it didn't kick off that way, but it definitely grew into that. Um, and it's something that I just, you look at that and that triggers a lot of copycat design, a lot of Me Too sort of platformers. And yet 30 years later, here we are. Mario is still sort of the king of the 2D platformer. I mean, how has Nintendo been able to do that? It could have gone into a different direction, right? We, you guys just mentioned Mega Man, and Mega Man is a niche title now, right? Like, people mm-hmm. who used to play those games know the Mega Man franchise. Mm-hmm. Yet, it's such an iconic character for us, whereas Mario has just stayed fresh, right? Mario has stuck mm-hmm. around. I, I think I think part of the uh, the secret behind Mario's longevity... Uh, is one, you know, the fact that the games are really, really good. Yeah. But I think also Nintendo didn't overdo it. N- uh, Mega Man was one of the first annualized franchises. Mm-hmm. Like there was a Mega Man game every year on NES. Mario, you had 
in Japan, you had Mario 2 like a year after Super Mario Brothers launched. But then the next game was two years later. And the next game after that was two years after that. And then there was this huge hiatus for like five years before Yoshi's Island came out. Uh-huh. So right. they, they really took their time with each game to say, okay, what can we do that's new? What, what can we do that's different? And it really felt like every new Mario game was a different experience that like it brought something new to the table. That's not so much the case with the new Super Mario Brothers games, ironically. Yeah. But um yeah, like the 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 series really Nintendo really established it as like this is a landmark. This is something that matters. When a new Mario game comes out, you need to notice because this is us putting all of our best people to make the best game possible, and this is an event. And you can risk, I mean, when you have big gaps between game releases, there's risk that people start to forget the character, right? As, you know, younger gamers come into play, older gamers may age out of games. It's very risky, but they were smart in that they filled the gaps with Mario Kart, for example, right? Which, yeah, I mean, in, in its own way, right, became humongous. You right. know, in the on, NES on the days, you just had Mario as, yep. as a cameo character. But, mm-hmm. I mean, at, at the NES launch, there were all these games like tennis and golf that had Mario in yeah. them. And they didn't say, it's golf with Mario, but there was Mario. He was this kind of ubiquitous character, which which came out of uh, Shigeru Miyamoto's idea for Mr. Video, like this mm-hmm. sort of all, <clears throat> all-arounder video game character who could be put in anything. Yeah. Um, Mario wasn't exactly like that original vision, but that's what he ended up being, the referee in Punch-Out. You know? yeah. He was, just, well, he was that's, everywhere. That's kind of how it was in manga too, wasn't it? Where like certain characters would just sort of show up or just like were drawn constantly in different places. Are you talking about Osamu Tezuka? Uh, some, like he, he, yeah, like, like he had yeah. a cast of characters that yeah. would just show up in, in really different roles. Like he'd have a comedy manga and there'd be a character in that. And then he had something like Adolf, which is about like... German and Jewish kids growing up in World War II and like these ridiculous comic characters would show up for cameos in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's that same concept. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think Tezuka was a huge influence on Miyamoto, Absolutely. so it makes sense that he would adopt that same sort of idea. Yeah, he's, uh, Miyamoto has referenced many times. I remember um, seeing the the Jungle Emperor Leo game at Space World when you know they were going to collaborate oh, yeah, yeah. on bringing what is what is it called Simba in in English or something? Yeah, the, um, the White Lion, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they were going to bring that to mm. a Nintendo platform and even had like a running demo of it. Unfortunately, it fell apart. But you could tell there was all this reverence. Like yeah, that was a collaboration really with uh, Tezuka's son, it. wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I remember that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Never came out. No. I uh, I I just I guess I uh, there was a Freudian slip on Angry Birds um, only because just recently I saw like Rovio is going through a lot of trouble. Um, w- you know, sort of internally as a company, right? And you look at like that game kind of peaked. Minecraft's another great example of a franchise that appeared like it hasn't peaked. It hasn't peaked yet. <laughs> yeah. Minecraft hasn't peaked yet. We'll see nah. when it, what Microsoft does with it. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. But it's like you know, kids. Kids' minds can be fickle, but sometimes they stick with something and mm. they just never let go mm. as well. Right? I, think, like, I think Minecraft works in the same respect as Mario. Yeah. Um, it's just this world that kids can get lost in. It's a much bigger world than Mario. But Mario, Super Mario Brothers, I mean, you really have to look back at what video games were like 30 years ago. Mm. That 32 worlds of scrolling across the sky and underground, that was, that was huge. There was no action video game like that mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. It was right. this massive world to explore. Yeah. And it really did feel like exploring because it was full of secrets and little pl- pipes you could go down and find extra areas. And yeah, I mean, it was just, it was, uh, it was a really kind of amazing experience. It really pushed new boundaries for yeah. game design. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, s- oh, oh, go ahead, please, no. Um, I don't know if this is just me, but uh, when it, it's been 
you know, you talked about not annualizing it. They waited a little bit uh, to release the next in the Mario series. When you have more time with a game to perfect your skills or to play it, that sticks in your memory better than a game that you played and you're like, well, the new one's coming out, so why should I stick with this? Um, You know, the new one's coming out in two months or whatever. Um, That has been my experience with games like that um, and with Mario is playing the same levels over and over again, really getting them embedded in my memory and then wanting that experience again later on once I've mastered it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so, ga- the gaps between games definitely make you remember the games mm-hmm. much more and they yeah. become more dear to you, you know? Yeah, and then that helps with longevity because then you think you, a new one comes out and you're like, I remember the great experience I had the first time around or the second time around and people share those with their kids um, yep. and you pass that down. Yeah. No, and it, and it becomes a tradition, and it's interesting in that uh, the games follow traditions. Like the Fire Flower does the same thing in all of them, but then you get the power-ups were always the thing that fascinated me because you would see like Mario 3, and all of a sudden it's a raccoon tail. Mm-hmm. And then you play Mario World, and it's a cape. And they're both takes on flying, but they're both different in their own ways, mm-hmm. where like the minute you open the cape and you're sort of sailing, <laughs> that completely, like just, you almost, it, it, it was amazing to me just that, they were able to explore those different avenues. And then you toss in Yoshi, and then Mm -hmm. you start tossing in different ideas. And that was something that I know the 3D Mario games never stood out power-up-wise to me, like Mm -hmm. ever. And I don't know if I'm... I feel like Galaxy 2 was the closest I came to caring about it, but I felt like regular Mario was the better way to go. It was a minor element of Mario 64, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, the, there, was, there was a flying. There was flying. The, that was the, a big deal. The wings on the hat. But even that, that was, was more limited. But it was really, that was like a special level, yeah. you know, that really and then, sold it. Yeah, and then you had things like Metal Mario, which existed entirely for them to say, say, look, we can do real-time reflections on, on the surfaces. <laughs> that's that's it. Like, that's kind of not Nintendo-ish. That, that, like, yeah. This is just a tech thing. Hmm. I, I think the power-ups tend to be deprecated in the 3D games just because 3D design is much harder than 2D design. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot harder to balance levels around lots of different power sets. So you, the first time uh, the Fire Flower appeared, I think was in, in a 3D Mario, was Mario Galaxy. It was. And it was a limited time thing. It lasted for like 10 seconds. That's because right. if you could take that anywhere, it would completely break the level. So they had to put artificial barriers on it. It yeah. was also, I think, much, it, it would be much harder to hit an, eleme- uh, an enemy in 3D space, mm-hmm. right? Imagine if Mario 64 had the Firefly, you'd be like, blub, 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 like trying <laughs> yeah. to hit the, those enemies from far away, and it mm-hmm. wouldn't be that easy. And the, the 3D game that has made the best use of power-ups has been 3D Land, which is almost like an isometric... Yeah. It's not really a free 3D game. It, it's a fixed perspective. Okay. I mean, the cat suit... Oh, like so totally 3D changes. World. Yeah, oh, 3D that, World. Yeah, sorry, no, sorry. I, yeah. I was on the edge of my seat. Yeah. Like, Land over world, Jeremy? What? But anyway, sorry, no, cat, 3D World. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that like totally changes how you play levels. Yeah. They did a really good job of, of integrating that into the gameplay. Uh, then you have things like the cherries, which are kind of novel, you know, the double the character. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. it's fun, oh. but it, it's more limited. But the cat suit is like really versatile, very much a classic Mario style power up. But again, that, that game has a fixed perspective. It's not free roaming 3D. It's very much, it's a very, it's a controlled experience. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the the barrier that they they still haven't overcome with 3D Mario. No, absolutely, mm-hmm. and and yeah, that cat suit was something that when I first saw it at that E3 when they announced that game, I remember going, oh, why, why? I don't understand why. Why is it a cat? Like it can be anything. Why Princess Peach is really cute in a cat suit? You hate cats. <laughs> that's basically, it. 
<laughs> no, I just I didn't expect it. But then when I played it and when I saw how much utility it had and when I yeah. saw how easy it was to like claw something or I've said on this show like <laughs> uh, if you watch 3D World Super Mario 3D World speedruns, like Princess Peach is a god in yeah. a cat suit. Like she is <laughs> the most over yeah. OP character in that game She's because the of best. that. Absolutely. Um, but I came to understand it later. But in the moment when I saw it, I just couldn't wrap my brain around why that had to be the direction for it. And I should have known better because Tanuki suits are just as strange, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. let's be honest. But cats also, there there was a there was a deliberate attempt to reach a female audience with that title, and the cat suit was perfect for that, right? Mm. Like perfect. It's just, yeah. Oh. Oh, you're good. Meow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Jerry. No, they did amazing. a wonderful job with that, and like in the end, they had a game that really uh, appealed to a really wide audience. I think, mm-hmm. and it's it's cute and it's yeah. funny. And I remember it's ties into internet memes. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's I remember on this show, you called them princess cats. You're like, yeah. they're 100% princess cats. Totally. They know what they're doing. They're amazing. Yeah, and then they turn into golden cat statues if you get lucky and you get that transformable suit later in the game. Uh, off of something that you said earlier about seeing it and not understanding it right away. Yeah. I have that experience with a lot of Nintendo announcements, actually. <laughs> oh. Like, like when I first bl- saw Splatoon, well, I was like, what? Well, I think Splatoon is just very strange. Well, Splatoon in general, yeah. But, I mean, you see the... I, I've had personally had that experience with a lot of Nintendo announcements being like, I don't get it. And then playing it and being like, oh, they're not stupid. Yeah. Obviously, they know the direction of this. They made this for a reason. Mm. And that kind of happened to me with Cat Mario also, or that, cat, the cat suit in general. Also. That happens so much that I've learned when I don't get a Nintendo announcement to just keep my mouth shut and wait and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, I get really annoyed when people immediately go on a tirade on social media and are like, this is the stupidest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. you know what? Nintendo <laughs> is really good at making smart choices that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, so yeah for like, sure. So I'm still, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that moment will come for Star Fox where I go, oh, I get it now. Mm-hmm. But yeah. We'll yeah. It's like, it's like those shows. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wish people at home could see that look Jeremy uh-huh. just gave. I'm uh-huh. sorry, Callie, please. Okay. We'll come back to that. That deserved, a, it deserved this moment. That look you just made. Um, no, it's like those shows where like there's a wacky detective and the detective's like, I think it's this. And everyone's like, you don't know what you're talking about. But every yeah. at the end of every oh, yeah. episode, the detective the, is like n- always right. Like I feel like that's Nintendo's Columbo. They are Columbo. There's just one more thing. Yeah, Yeah, and you're like, Nintendo. And then you play it and you're like, oh, right. People like you for a reason. Like, it's kind of like that experience. I thought you said you didn't have a pen. Exactly. It's always the little little thing in the end that makes makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love Columbo, by the way. So good. Yeah, no, I definitely can't help but wonder. um, And someone asked us this on the stream, but what happens to 2D Mario after Mario Maker? And. I mean, I think that it'll it, it may be a while before we see one that is solely made by Nintendo and doesn't have a build a Mario sort of angle to it. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with that. I I'm sure within the first okay year of the NX launch, we will see new Super Mario Brothers NX. Oh man, I'm betting more on a 3D Mario. I, I mean, I'm hoping so. I mean, I don't see why not both. But <clears throat> yeah. at the rate it's gone, it's basically been one new Super Mario Brothers title per platform. Mm and usually pretty early in the life. So yeah. I don't see that they'll change that approach. Sure. Super Mario Maker is a completely different product from New Super Mario Brothers. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it includes elements of all the Mario games, but it's still a different experience. Absolutely. I, I don't think we'll see Mario 2D games go away. And then the inevitable question being, will we see DLC? They've said no, but I've got my fingers crossed. There's a lot I'd like to do with... Um, 
things like slope surfaces. And, oh yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that my my bugging Tanabe about Super Mario Brothers two elements, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers USA, that, yeah. that'll put oh. a, uh, they reference it. If you use the amiibo costume when you be, when you finish a level or when you die, you hear uh, a Mario two related chime. Like you hear oh, a, yeah. a, if you if you go down the flagpole when you go in the castle, you hear that dun 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 dun, dun like that thing. Yeah. Um, you, do you hear that? I was like, oh, okay. well, that's the, interesting. Like the casino coin thing. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, I mean that would add a very different play style. Like it would. once the turnips are unleashed, unleashed man. It, it would, but yeah. but the thing is, every palette has its own distinct elements. Yeah. So why not add Mario two in there? I mean, it's not it's like good, it's good not like point, there yeah. is a uniform play style across all. Mario palettes like you have a butt stomp in New Super Mario Brothers yeah. that is not in classic Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. So why not add the ability to pick up things and heave them? Yeah. You know, like so sure. many of the other elements, you know, climbing vines and stuff that were in Mario Two, like those are in, uh, those are in the standard Mario Maker set. So yep. it's yeah. not it's not that big a deal. I don't think it would be that difficult. Well, Could and I awesome. think if they're serious about this being a platform, and I don't think they've committed to anything or said anything this way, but in a lot of ways, Mario Maker does resemble. Um, to some degree, Nintendo's ver- take on a Minecraft, on like, an, uh, on like something that you can build and make things. And they don't always have to be levels, as we said. Without being um, as conspicuous as Dragon Quest builders. Oh, that <laughs> one went straight for the, yep, we're Minecraft and you're going <laughs> to like it. Um, but, uh, but I will say that Minecraft is a game that evolved over time. And mm-hmm. just as this franchise has evolved over time, I really do hope that somewhere in, at Nintendo, someone has convinced them that Mario Maker needs to evolve over time. But it makes you wonder how much of that time is we use life is left. Like how much of we use life is that time? Like we don't know. I don't know, but that would give people a reason to continue dusting off their Wii U mm-hmm. or not let it get dusty in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think it's I don't think it's unthinkable at all that they would you know come up with some sort of DLC plan even after the launch. I mean they've done that with Mario Kart, they've done that with Smash Brothers, they've done that with Splatoon, yeah. and they've had really mm-hmm. Pikmin, yeah. yeah. They've had really great results with all of those games. Mm-hmm. And like people continue playing Splatoon and it's always being talked about, which is not something that would have happened without the DLC. Yeah. So I I, yeah. I think they get the value, but yeah. I think they'd have to come up with something meaningful to offer. But I feel like Splatoon was a different case only in that all of that content or a majority of it seemed to be on the game itself. And it feels it feels now in hindsight more like just a very controlled release schedule. Like Nintendo's always had sort of a den mother attitude to a lot of things that they do. But for whatever reason, they didn't feel either sa- really safe about giving you more options than just Turf War from day one. And I kind of can understand, relate or understand that a little bit when I think about, well, it's a very different mechanic. It's territory control to a degree, but it's also kind of dumbed down so that it's not too intimidating. Um, but it, it's just such an odd release plan. Whereas with Mario Maker, the nine days makes sense. Splatoon, to me, is I'm not sure if it still makes sense yet. Nintendo is really into the idea of giving people little chunks of content that keep them playing on a regular basis. I mean, Animal Crossing is built around that. Brain training was built around that. Even, you know, back, if you want to get really obscure, the the Super Famicom days, the BS Satellaview stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like Zelda games that had episodes that would come out for, you know, Japanese subscribers like once a week and you had a new quest. This is something they've, they've done for a long, long time. Um, and I don't see it going away. I see it increasing. Like they, they really seem to have cottoned to the idea of, of like 
protracted release schedules and, sure, and yeah. keeping content going. They don't make a lot of games. And at this point, Nintendo first party games is pretty much all they have on their platforms. Mm-hmm. So they've got to get as much life out of those as they can. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. So well. I, I really think, you know, if, if Mario Maker is successful, then we'll see DLC. If it, if it doesn't sell that well, which I can't imagine it not selling well, then it wouldn't make sense. But mm-hmm. if it does, then that's, you know, something to keep people playing and to kind of keep that evergreen sensibility about the game so word of mouth will keep more people buying it absolutely mm-hmm. and just finding different challenges or courses yeah that's totally going to take off all right cool Th- uh thanks for that that's an interesting way to just kind of look back on this franchise in 30 years i mean man we're getting yeah. old oh, man. <laughs> all right so let's go over some packs news and then we got to run uh so nintendo made a bunch of announcements that uh some of them uh little surprising, some not so surprising. Uh, for example, you're a big fan of that uh, fast uh, racing Neo, correct? Well, I'm, uh, I'm not sure if I'm a big fan yet. I you like what yet. It, yeah, but you like I what it looks like. I love the look like. of it. Yeah, well, you love look, the look of it. You've been telling German me German developer, F-Zero lookalike. Yeah. Come on. Well, this well what do you say then to eight-player multiplayer <laughs> online, and then what do you say to four-player local split screen? I say, thank you very much. I will take one copy, please. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe four. <laughs> Uh, right. That's great. Yeah, so that that announcement uh, that's is, really cool. is sort of a good move. Uh, they're getting Kerbal Space Program, day and date as everyone else. Good um, game. Kerbal Space Program, someone want to sum that up, what that is for folks? It, I have only played it when it was still... My kids play it all day long. Yeah, okay. It's, okay. A, it's a space sim, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. you're building a rocket, a rocket. into space, and yeah. then yeah. sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's the best part. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a lander tinker game. custom robo. Okay, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, they'll be getting that day and date. There's certain uh, sort of the, the way you design ships with the touchscreen is something that's unique to them. But the big Mamma Jamma, the one that will have people talking for a while, relates to Yacht Club games and especially Shovel Knight. Uh, so basically Nintendo lifting the veil on a Shovel Knight amiibo. I mean, <laughs> Like what? what? I mean, look, it wait depends a minute. on what it is. Right? Hold up, Buster. Let's. So, so wait a minute, but it's yes. not a Shovel Knight amiibo that is in Smash Brothers. Yeah. This is not. This does not mean Shovel Knight is coming to Smash Brothers, but this will be in retailers in the same place you can find if you can find yeah. an amiibo. <laughs> Good one. Um, you'll be able to pick up this thing. Date and price will be announced by Yacht Club later, but apparently this is Nintendo opening the door to collaborations with third parties and independent developers for them to license Amiibo technology, the Amiibo platform, and Nintendo is involved in every step of the way, providing approvals and basically signing off and saying, fine, you can Mm -hmm. do this. It's a case-by-case basis, we asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's it's basically, you know, games that at least call a Nintendo platform a home, right, in some fashion. Like, you could imagine some of the level 5 games now being eligible for it, right? Like, you get your latents, but, you know, games like Minecraft Story Mode, like games that are, you know, also coming to this platform, because Shovel Knight isn't exclusive, could also be benefiting from now having figures. Um, I think it's really cool. I mean, it's... You brought up earlier that in a way it's a little bit like the old cartridge format I manufacturing. I, I mean, I system, don't know. Right? I'm Shovel Knight is the chubby cherub of Amiibo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was just <laughs> speculating that does this mean that basically when you license this tech that Nintendo, you're basically paying Nintendo to get these made and they're involved in the steps of manufacturing. It appears to be that we we don't know for sure. We don't know how the yeah, yeah. how the structure but works. But here's the, the thing structure. that that like went off in my head the minute it got announced is that right now the selling point in, for Amiibo is that it works 
works across multiple games. You can yeah. use it in Smash Brothers. You can use it in, uh, depending on the set, in Mario Party. You can use it yep. in Captain Toad. Every day, is in, every day is Christmas in Hyrule Warriors. You can use them in Mario Maker. You get, like, rupees and stuff. It's weird. Um, <laughs> but Shovel Knight does not work mm-hmm. with first-party games yet. And we asked about that. We were like, hey, you know, what's, what's the story there? And they basically said nothing to announce, uh, but we're in discussions. We don't – it's totally possible, but – our first party games, you know, that stuff's coded on our end, and we're just not sure. This is still pretty early for us. Um, but which, which but sounds a lot like the original Amiibo strategy. We know this makes money because Skylanders did it, and <laughs> but we don't really we know what we're figure doing. out how it works. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. making it up as we go along. Uh-huh. <laughs> it does sound that way. Um, but this is interesting to hear because I feel like a year ago uh, at PAX, or within the last like six to eight months, we did ask about third parties in Amiibo, yeah. and they had nothing to say. But we learned when they talked about this too, or at least when we got to talk to them, that they've been getting pitches on collaborations for Amiibo since they showed it off in 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're getting two pieces of, of uh, two things where this is happening, right? The Skylanders collaboration with mm-hmm. Supercharged and the idea of with Amiibo Skylanders. Nintendo characters though, yeah. Yeah, right. with two Nintendo mm-hmm. characters being Koopa and Bowser. Um, uh, excuse me, Bowser and Donkey Kong, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say they're both the same thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you have the Shovel Knight Amiibo, yeah. which to me, Shovel Knight is not in Smash. I know that's a disappointment to people, I don't think that character is going to make that roster now right. because, I mean, Yacht Club paid to get this made. Like, how does that – I don't think that was the case with Pac-Man, with Sonic, mm-hmm. with Mega Man, with right. Ryu. No, I mean, those characters – well, I, I don't know what deals went on behind our backs to get Mega Man in there. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I, I, I think this is this is a separate program, a separate initiative. I'm, mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see if they're going to patch the original Shovel Knight to add something. Oh, they did. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, oh, I, should, I okay. should mention that. Sorry, I should have recapped this. Uh, it'll unlock exclusive co-op mode, uh, some exclusive challenges, uh, and customization. Apparently, you can customize you your Shovel Knight awesome. to but there's no there's color. no Shovel oh, Knight costume for Mario Maker. Not that anyone has discovered, uh, so but I guess it depends on when this got approved and happened. <laughs> but uh, it got outed by Game uh, earlier in the day, and everyone was like, "What is that about?" And yeah, Game it, is a UK retailer. Yeah, yeah. and also uh, just recently there were a lot of rumors about if Shovel Knight is in Smash or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a bummer if it isn't, but at the same time, I'm sure though they have plenty great of characters. Requests. Just the shovel makes him such a unique, you have him such a unique weapon, yeah. you know, for that game. That'd be really funny, and the whole kind of like yeah. how you bounce off your yeah. I mean, look yeah. what they did with cool. Villager, dude. Like, oh, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, who would have thought like that right. That would have worked out the way it did. So we'll see. But I think that's a great sign of them, you know, opening up the Amiibo line to other characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, looking at the box art, I was a little bummed that it didn't follow the Nintendo packaging. You know, it's definitely a, you can tell it's a now, now it, a third-party line, you know? Yeah, it looks like one of those Amico or whatever <laughs> from, from China. Yeah. Like the little bootlegs. It's kind of like Amiibo, <laughs> Made by but Bony it's Electronics. kind of not. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, to put you all on the spot, as any good podcast should, right here, right now, what characters or collaborations do you want to see? If you can have an indie game, if you can have a third party, right now, say yes, make this amiibo for me. I I think Minecraft Story Mode is a no brainer. That's a no brainer to have, you know, the main characters from that franchise. Yeah, because, yeah, because these, I mean, it's a top selling franchise. There's a huge kids' audience of people who care about these characters. Now, story mode obviously is not—it's not Steve, right? It's not your archetype character, but like 
kids would love. His name is Steve? His well, the original Minecraft Steve, <laughs> what? Yeah. But kids would love a Creeper Amiibo. Give me a break. That would be the top seller. Well, they could buy that. They got those chintzy toys at GameStop. Yeah, but I've they're chintzy. They're not cool Amiibo. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I think that'd be a no Who wants yeah. that? Okay. I wonder, uh, before anyone else names uh, their, their character, they'll give you a little more time. Uh, I also wonder if this opens the door for third parties, just because there are none. <laughs> At least there aren't many on Nintendo platforms these days. I mean, so only does f- getting the toy, you know, getting in on the Amiibo pie, does that invite uh, or does that entice a publisher to come over? It seems like a tough sell that yeah. you would make enough money to justify like development costs for another SKU. Like I could imagine like it be an incentive for Ubisoft, right? Like they're kicking around a, a Rayman man game release or Yeah, but everyone's gonna yeah. lose all the little hands and feet. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice work. Nice work. So who who would you uh, who would, would you wanna terrible. see? Adrian Fahrenheit Tepes. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> I should know Alucard. what that is. Yeah, I was going to say. Alucard from Castlevania. Okay, okay. Got it, got it, got it. So you want a, a Castlevania game and a Castlevania amiibo. I'm interested in this. Oh, yeah. man. That was a setup. I see mm-hmm. what you did there. All right, Callie. Actually, Solid yeah. Snake would be pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. Solid Snake oh, would man, be great. Oh, man, so many people want that. But oh. does Konami want that? Yeah. These days, who uh, knows? They just no, want I... money. That's all they care <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> Please. All right. You mentioned Kerbal Space Program. I think the little Kerbals would be so cute. Okay. Yeah. It's a good call. Also, you mentioned level five, Yokai Wash. Oh, yeah. Not that I, I don't want that because no thanks. But um, that's mm. too much. There's so many of them. But like the. You're scared. It's not as much You're as Pokemon. Scared how deep it's the not as bad as Pokemon. Pokemon is over 700. How many are in Yokai Watch? I'm not sure how many Yokai are in but, Yokai but Watch. It's, but um, it's like, early. They're uh, all Jean, around you. Gene Banyan, I think is his name, is the little cat. Um, he's everywhere in Japan. That yeah. would make a lot of sense as an amiibo. Kids okay. would buy that because it's literally everywhere. Especially yeah. if they're going to lock that down and keep it exclusive on the What about right. you? Like, you, you obviously picked something out in your brain. Otherwise, you I didn't. I just put you all <laughs> oh my on the Lord. spot. Uh, You're not even ready. Oh. Jose, you want a Dragon Quest slime. Actually, I do. Yeah. That would be cool. Oh, but uh, Dragon wait. Quest Ten never made it over, so there's no relevance for folks. I think he wants the main character from Devil's Third. <laughs> oh, you bring this up now. Segway. Yeah, Pear wants me to talk about Devil's Third and the ten bit, minutes right? that I played. So we have actually 15 minutes of it going up on IGN uh, relatively soon. The game uh, reviews just left it in the UK uh, or in Europe. They're not looking good. Yeah. Um, I will say it's not out in the US until December. Until yeah. December, thank God. Uh, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't want to say that. Um, I will say, I think the prem- the core premise of it is interesting in that it is a game that is a beat-em-up meets a shooter. So mm-hmm. you have a studio and guys who worked at Valhalla Lights, if you know their pedigree, they came from Tecmo, Team Ninja. You're talking about Ninja Gaiden, which is, I mean, considered the 3D version is considered one of, you know, the best action games of its day. Um, and you have them tackling this concept. And I think... It has successes, but it has some really weird, weird, like someone didn't stop and say, hey, I don't know if America would really be into this Vin Diesel lookalike character covered in tattoos and full of very, very, like, it, it's just almost, it's an oddity. It it's feels like, so bizarre. It's like you, what that little Are you sure that the, the thought there wasn't, Americans will totally oh, no, be into this That's Vin what they character. did. Everyone sat around and said, yes! That's, that's such a last <laughs> generation a... Japanese AAA concept. Mm. Like, this is what America loves, we think, so let's do this. And mm. then America says, uh... Yeah. No? Yeah. So I will say the little bit that I played, um... Switching between uh, a first-person view to use a gun and melee combat 
was was quick. It was snappy. Um, and then getting into the quick encounters didn't feel dull yet. It, they did have this bullet sponge boss at the end of the stage, which I wasn't a fan of. But um, at least mechanically, the, the moment-to-moment combat was decent. I will call it that. I definitely didn't play enough of it to have a, a, a deeper opinion. But I will say I was very turned off by some of that zaniness and that wackiness. This is coming from someone who didn't mind it so much in, in Bayonetta, and that game is just as guilty right. to, to some degree of or that like same World line of thinking. Games like that. Yeah, yeah, Mad World. Platinum has 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 carved a bunch of those, I feel. I hear you. I, so when I saw the game at E3, I was like, Ugh, right? Like when, it, mm. when it, I saw it running for the first, first time. When I saw it more recently, um, when you guys were playing it, I actually thought, oh, this doesn't look so bad. You know, like, I feel like they have tightened up a lot over the E3 version, but, you know, the proof is in the gameplay. I haven't been able to get my hands on it yet. Okay, but, we'll, we'll hook you up. We got the European we'll one uh, set up so we can send you home and maybe you want to have more impressions of it because I don't want to play it anymore. I have other things to do. <laughs> Let me see. Splatoon, Devil's Third. Splatoon, mm. Devil's Third. I see how it is. All right, well, <laughs> I guess that's our show this week. Thank you very much for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. We are a weekly show on IGN, but we are not the only show on IGN. In fact, there are plenty of podcasts, features, videos, articles, news stories, you name it. Hopefully we have it, and if we don't... Uh, Sorry about that. Um, Jeremy, thank you so much for coming on the program. Thanks Give for some me. folks where sort of where to find you, like some cool okay, stuff you're working sure. on. Sure. I'm yeah. the editor at in chief at usgamer.net. Oh, uh, I thought it was us gamer. It is also we uh, we have all your video game tabloid gossip about celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> and also we are IGN <laughs> and you guys are more than <laughs> There are more of you than there are of us, actually. Um, in my in my spare time, I work on a site called GameboyWorld.com, right. which uh, is a chronological exploration of the Game Boy's library. It's a terrible idea, and I keep going with it. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter as GameSpite. So there you go. That's me. Yeah, nice. yeah. And you can find the daily uh, Mario video over on US Game. Oh, Internet yeah, yeah. Well. My, my daily series out. where I publicly flagellate myself as I try to make good levels and fail in Mario Maker. So check that video series out. That's a good time. <laughs> You're really selling it. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't want to oversell it. All right. Uh, all right. Well, it's definitely entertaining. You should definitely watch that. Um, also, please make sure uh, if you're a fan of the show, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Uh, you can help us out in a bunch of ways. One, you can head over to iTunes. Leave a show review. Tell us what you think. Or email us at mvc at IGN.com. We are always reading your feedback. And uh, we will bring back the question block next week. So send us some cool questions. We have some cool stuff, too. We just released um, IGN on Snapchat. So That's if you're right. a Snapchat user, you know, if you are in your teens or you're an older Snapchat user, there, there are those of us, too. Um, we have a daily edition where we have 14 stories, all new every day, and they disappear after 24 hours. It's like it's like Mission Impossible. Like it's self-destruct. <laughs> but um, it's a little different from the website lineup. So we actually have some cool Nintendo content. We have like, uh, you know, we uh, on the first edition, we already had a quiz question. Um, you know, which one of four uh, Mario items was real and made up which one was made up and uh, it's tougher than you think it's really cool yeah it, it, it what was it like fire flower ice, ice flour, mushroom carrot. blue mushroom fire flower or carrot uh, ice mushroom carrot fire flower that's yeah, also they, super obvious who made this question you, it's <laughs> obvious to you i everybody i asked has gotten this wrong which of these is not a mario power up yep isn't a carrot in super mario land 2 that's right Interesting. Ah, see, we got you too. All right. you you anyway, go check it out. <laughs> well, you can't. You can't check out that the one. The booze are in a mushroom. Self-destructive. Yeah, but you should definitely check it out. It's it was a the cool ice edition. Was fake. 
Yeah. There you go. You swipe yeah. and you can check it out. Cool. All right. Well, you can find us all on Twitter. Uh, you can find Callie Pe- Pleggy at Inky Dojiko, I N K Y D O J I K K O. You didn't think that one through for the for the radio, huh? I, I do a little dance when I say it on Anime oh, Club. It's okay. so. a whole lot of judgment over a Twitter handle. You can yeah. find Per Schneider at Pure IGN. <laughs> Pure IGN. Uh, one more time, Jeremy, they can find you at Game Spite. And you can it's find like Game Spot, but different. Yes. <laughs> all the spiteful, spiteful. All the yeah. spiteful uh, commentary on games you can think of on that Twitter feed. No, amazing commentary. And lastly, Jose Bad underscore jokes. Otero on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.